Cars on Call is a different car podcast. Two car guy physicians join noted automotive authority, Adams Hudson, to discuss car topics you won't find anywhere else. I'm Steve Schutz, and I've been publishing new car reviews for almost 30 years. Stefan Moran is a trauma surgeon who has published articles in the automotive safety literature and operated on countless car crash victims. And Adams Hudson is a now-retired successful businessman who has bought, sold, and owned over a hundred top-shelf enthusiast cars. Welcome to Cars on Call. Welcome to Cars on Call. I am gastroenterologist and automotive journalist Steve Schutz. I'm here with drama surgeon Stefan Moran, automotive collector, connoisseur, and, and uh, consultant. Adams, uh, happy new year, guys. We're excited to be here. And uh, before we get into that, we got a lot to talk about today, but I'm going to emphasize two things. Uh, we have a trauma surgeon who talks about automotive safety from the trauma surgeon from the frontline point of view, which is unique. And we have a guy who's owned over 100 collector cars and knows so much about collector cars. Uh, in fact, your your discussion a couple of weeks ago about Jaguar was a tour de force. So um, thanks that for that. That was my trauma segment. Yeah, it was awesome. So Adley. But uh, enough good feeling. We're going to talk about GM. We talked about it last week because the Wall Street Journal had basically a hit piece on Mary Barra, who's the CEO of GM. And they said, you know, she bet big on battery electric vehicles, not hybrids, but battery electric vehicles. And she bet big on self-driving cars. And neither one of those bets is coming through. I, I think that's an understatement. And and I guess I'll let both of you guys weigh in. I'll start with you, Stefan. They just said to their dealers, you must stop selling the battery electric Chevy Blazer because there's a lot of problems with it. I'll let you talk about that. But this is, I guess, improvement because remember, uh, I think it was last year or two years ago, they had to stop driving the Chevy Bolts because they were catching on fire. They said, park it outside on the street, not in your garage. Do not drive the car. Now you can't sell the uh, the Blazer because of problems. Um Stefan, talk about the problems. Well, yeah, so this is just outrageous to me. And it brings up a whole bunch of questions. You know, GM, we talked about it last week, has invested $35 billion in their electric vehicle infrastructure, rolling out vehicles. The first one, you know, the 10,000-pound Hummer, as I've said, the Antichrist on wheels is sitting on lots. Nobody wants them. Antichrist on wheels. <laughs> the Antichrist on wheels, 10,000-pound. parking lots wherever it's parked. And then... I question Motor Trend's um, ethics in giving the Blazer the car of the year, the yeah, car, the vehicle they, they of the year. didn't get that from Edmonds. Yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> I mean, think about it. There is no way in hell that that Motor Trend vehicle that they drove didn't have issues and problems, and they just painted over it. I just Or, so, or they got a ringer. Uh, or they got a the ringer. Way, there is a history of uh, automotive, automotive manufacturers, particularly GM, giving the press ringers. These are cars that are taken off the assembly line, taking all the bugs out of it, all the problems out of it, then they give it to the press. There's a history of that. All right, so it should be, it should be the lemon but, of the year. And then but Ed, Edmonds uh, had 23 problems with their Blazer. They they absolutely panned it. I, Stefan, I didn't know Motor Trend gave a car of the year. I, did, I guess I didn't see that. Vehicle of the year or something, yeah. They gave it, I can't remember exactly, which I don't read Motor Trend. But they gave it some vehicle of the year award. And um, yeah, so then Edmonds comes out with an article just trashing it. It had 23 problems, everything. I mean, it, nothing worked on it. 
and the ergonomics were off and they turned basically, it's been at the dealer for two weeks and then General Motors puts the stop sale order. So you can't even, you know, they, they say, we got to quit selling these. Well, how does General Motors release a vehicle that is that shitty that they have to put us, there were problems all along. What is the car, what is the corporate culture at GM that they didn't know this was going on, but they said, let's get on the lots anyway. I don't understand that. And I, I guess what it boils down to is, you know, this company is so huge. And we've talked about this with your son, Patrick, who's a coder. You know, what's your, what does Patrick say about coders in the automotive industry? He says that if you're good at tech, you work for a tech company. If you're not good at tech, you work for a car company. Exactly. So what are these union coders that don't know what they're doing? And I think this is just, I mean, for me, this is this is the final straw. You know, Mary Barra's got to go. She's got to resign if she doesn't get fired. Um, this is one another investment that has just gone right. They can't produce the vehicle. And the whole cruise thing, I'm going to talk about Waymo and our safety segment. You know, how many, how much money they lost with cruise trying to do their autonomous driving. So I think this is just this is more bad news on top of bad news for Mary Barra and General Motors. And it's unacceptable for a company of this size. And uh, this kind of this been around in this country this long. Well, you know, and, and I, Stefan, I don't disagree. You know, we talked about a little bit about Mary Barra last time, and how she's underperforming ter terribly. And uh, you know, it's like, well, hey, can you pin that fault on one person? That you, well, you you can when they're being paid twenty nine million dollars to do the job. And uh, she defended that twenty nine million dollar salary, by the way, by saying that um, that ninety two percent of it was based on performance pay. Well, how in the world is that? GM stock is <laughs> oh, oh yeah, like what? What is it? Negative performance pay? Is that what it's about? And uh, you know, her the, the stock has gone from oh uh, thirty nine dollars under her under her watch. It's gone from thirty nine dollars down to twenty nine dollars. So she's she's roughly being paid a million dollars per dollar of the stock price as it's going the opposite way. So she's lost her shareholders twenty five percent. In, in the same period of time that she's been at the helm, her her pay increase has gone up 34% in the last four years, not the whole time she's been there. The last four years, it's gone up 34%. However, she has only given her workers 20% raise. And you wonder, is this, in, and Stefan, you ask a very good question. Is, is it the union folks who may be adept at coding? Is that who's writing the code? What, did, did she give them that that job as to, you know, was that part of the union demand to placate the workers to say, hey, well, you can do the design. Well, what people may or may not realize, what a short lived, terrible kind of woke reasoning, because if you're if you're a good coder and you're doing a good job, then the company and your job are secured. If you're a bad coder doing a bad job, you get to face a recall at yeah. best. It's, I'm not sure who's doing the coding. I don't know if it's union or not. It doesn't matter whoever they are. They're not good. And that's the, that's the, the bottom line. Uh, let me point out a few facts. I, I also believe that she needs to go. I think she needs to resign. I don't think she should be here at the end of the first quarter of 2024 of this year. Greater than 50% of Buick dealers took a buyout. And that is GM said to them, Buick's going all electric and we want you to go with us. And greater than half of all the Buick dealers in this country took the buyout and walked away from their print. They were going to walk away from the Buick franchise. That is a vote of no confidence. Mary Barra had a strategy, which was go all in and leapfrog the competition in battery electric vehicles and self-driving cars. 
it did not work because the strategy didn't work and the execution has been terrible. A leader, think Steve Jobs and the iPhone, it's supposed to take your customer by the hand and walk that customer into the future. You don't walk away from the customer or leave them in the dust because you're way ahead of them. That's mm -hmm. what she has done. In 2005, there's a master course on how to run a car company. It's on YouTube. Carlos Ghosn in his prime is as good as they got. He talked to the Stanford Business School and he said to run a, an automotive company and he said, any company. He said it's 10% strategy and 90% execution. And then he paused and he said, no, it's 2% strategy, 98% execution. By those measures, by the stock market price, by any measure you can look at, Mary Barra has completely failed strategy and execution. I think she has to go. Mm -hmm. And and she's going to get rid of CarPlay and Android compatibility in all GM vehicles. I mean, that I mean, how stupid is that? Is there and, any justification for that at all? I mean, well, because they want to bring the money, this money, the yeah. subscription, and it's a money grab. You know, they're all everyone's trying to find a money grab in subscription services, and that's one way to do it. Um, but just as we're coming to some crazy. version of uniformity within the Android and the CarPlay, um, like you know, now people can get into a rental car, or you can go cross shop cars. I mean, we expect for the horn button to be in the middle and for the blinkers to be on the left and for the brake pedal to be approximated in the middle. You can't just go rewriting the rules of ergonomics because you feel like it. I mean, that is a terrible move. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, let's leave it there. I agree. Yep. That's a, that's well said, Adams. Let's move on. And, and Stefan, you made a really good point, uh, and that is that, okay, GM's doing this wrong. Uh, and Tesla's doing it wrong to some extent, too, with their self-driving beta testing. You found some evidence of a company that's doing right, and that's your safety segment. Talk about that. Right. So, um, you know, I've talked about, I've beat on Tesla a lot because they, the software they release on autonomous driving is basically being beta software where the consumer is testing it. That works fine in your iPhone and your computer, but you can't have that in vehicle. And the one company has done it completely right Cruise and GM failed, but is Waymo. And Waymo was formerly known as the Google Self-Driving Car Project. It's a, it's a subsidiary of Alphabet Incorporated, which is the parent company of Google. So, you know, this is like if Apple were to take this on, Google taking this on. And think about this. Between 2009 and 2015, Google spent $1.1 billion on the project. For By comparison, when General Motors bought Cruise, it was just over $500 million. Uber spent $680 million on auto, and those aren't going well. So Waymo got it right from the start. And I think, you know, we know Google has had some of the greatest coders in the history, some of the greatest minds in, Intel, in the Intel business. And not only that, Waymo took the idea that we're going to do the coding, but we're also going to manufacture and dictate the hardware that will feed the information to the software and the code. I mean, that's just brilliant. So that includes their sensors, um, LADAR, LIDAR. So what they've had is as they've evolved their software, they've evolved their hardware, the hardware will have issues, the software can over. So back and forth, they're fixing the hardware at the so at the with the software at the same time. And that's how you end up with a gorgeous product like the iPhone. It's the software and the hardware are designed together. What this means is there's a safety benefit that. 
So they did so well, they've raised an additional $5.5 million in funding rounds. They have partnerships with vehicle manufacturers. You mean, you mean billion, I think. I'm sorry, billion. Additional $5.5 billion. Thank you, Steve-O. And they've also partnered with multiple vehicle manufacturers, Stellantis, Mercedes-Benz, Jaguar, Land Rover, and Volvo. Now, they have a very unique relationship with Volvo that they are already working with the manufacturer to integrate Waymo technology into the Volvo. So it's going to be like having built-in CarPlay or built-in for your Android. They're 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 helping to direct Volvo where they want the sensors, what kind of sensors, and you know, in the, in the back of my conspiracy thing, I have to think that Geely is going to greatly benefit with some stealing some technology and end up on in you know their other lines. But huh. so we'll assume you're correct. <laughs> yeah, uh, we know they do that. But you know, so Google Google has invented this wheel, this wheel of autonomous driving in the car. They have done so well with it. In my mind, there really is no other point for companies trying to reinvent it at this point. I think, you know, Cruz tried, Auto tried, and it just hasn't worked. So, you know, you don't want to see a single leader. You do like competition. But when it comes to automotive safety and being on the roads, I think if there's a single leader in it, you just got to stick behind it. So the other thing that has, that has been very interesting about Waymo is they have been very public the entire time. They have a blog called Waypoint, and they publish literature, good, bad, and different. They they study this, and they've approached this whole vision of autonomous driving with a scientific standpoint mind in terms of analysis of data. And um, they just released two papers that came out that have been longitudinal studies, and they've now looked at they have 7 million miles of autonomous driving that they were they they release this data on and let me pull up a screenshot here um i'm just i'm gonna put this screenshot up seven million miles how many times around the earth is that that's a lot of miles <laughs> that's to a follow. lot of miles i know <laughs> um but i'm just gonna hit the big numbers here and then i'm gonna go into a little bit more detail but basically so over seven million rider only miles compared to human benchmarks the Waymo driver, which is not really specific the software, had an 85% reduction in injury-causing crash rates and a 57% reduction in police-reported crash rates. So what basically, that's easy, you know, the autonomous driving done properly statistically is safer than a human driver. I mean, the, you know, the autonomous vehicle isn't reading its text. It's not talking on the phone. It's not worried about the screaming baby in the back seat. It is 100% active vision focus on the road in front of it. And, and Waymo says safety leads everything we do at Waymo. And I think clearly it, looking at their data and how they presented this, that absolutely. And they've had over 700,000 trips with public riders and no human drivers. They published 20 safety papers over the years to be completely transparent. And this new, the two new ones that came out um, show benchmarks. So when you look, when you're looking at statistics like this, you want to have, you got to find a baseline of comparison, and we call that a metric. There's a numerator and a denominator. So what they looked at was the number of vehicle crash miles of driving compared to humans. So that is crash rate per million miles traveled for the Waymo vehicles as well as the human drivers. So. And what they did was they compared overall crash rates data from the fully autonomous operations only rather than 
mixing with fully autonomous driving and testing with the human behind the vehicle. So these are clear. This is these are cars with no human driver. So they've got enough data now that they could do the study and reach statistical significance. So this 85% reduction, another way to think of that, at 6.8 times lower crash rate involving any injury from minor to severe to fatal. And for the Waymo drivers, that's 0.41 incidents per million miles traveled. And it's 2.78 for a human-driven um, vehicle. And then the crash rate was 57% reduced or 2.3 times lower rate, in, which comes out to 2.1 per million miles for, for Waymo driver to have a crash. I mean, that's pretty low. And then 4.85 for the human benchmark. So the, looking at these statistics together, so over the 7.1 million miles that Waymo drove, there are an estimated 17 fewer injuries and 20 fewer police reported cr crashes compared to if the human drivers with that benchmark crash rate of 2.78 had driven those same 7 million miles. Just a different way to look at the same thing. And then, um, so, you know, Waymo operates in San Francisco, Phoenix, Las Vegas, and they're going to be expanding some more this year. Aren't they also um, in Los Angeles? Yes, yeah. and Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Phoenix, San Francisco, Phoenix, Los Angeles. Now, and so what they did is also compare the city rates from one city to the next. And San Francisco had the highest rate of crashes where an injury was reported with 5.5 incidents per million miles. And that was three times higher than the national average. So I guess San Francisco is, you know, there's just a lot of more crashes there. Could be well, people road. stand around in the street in San Francisco too, Darren, you hit them. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Different topic. Yeah. It looks like, I mean, now we're, we're seeing a lot of the dust clear here, I think, Stefan, and right. and you can you can imagine what the future is going to look like because we're all going to be in these self-driving vehicles, which will be much, much, much safer. I, I love to drive. We're all driving enthusiasts, but let's face it, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, they're going to look back at us and say, how the hell did people in the United States in 2023 or 24 think it was okay to lose 40,000 people a year on the highways? How did they think that was okay? Obviously, this is gonna this is gonna clear the way. This is gonna change all that. It's gonna take a lot of time. By the way, all the places that they are, there's like no precipitation. There's not really weather. There's no snow. Right. There's no rain. Once they, they have a lot of hurdles to go over. But again, you can kind of see where we're going. But you know, think about it. What Waymo did was they strategically picked some cities that were friendly to the the concept and the idea, and they're slowly expanding it as they have the data to prove it. They didn't unleash a bunch of Teslas across the entire country in all weather conditions, all road conditions, autonomous driving. No, they're doing this from a very scientific approach. And the other thing, you there, you know, and if you really, this data is, there's bias in this data. You think about it, how often you get a little fender bender, you don't report that. Okay. You know, you, you slam somebody at five miles an hour and say, hey, I'll tell you what, let's change car. I'm going to pay for this. I'm not boring this insurance company. I don't want it to go up on there. So, but a hundred percent of the Waymo crashes were reported. So the data is even better. It but is, yeah, yeah. If you were to remove, if you were, to, if you were to remove the bias, if you were to add bias to it, the data would change. But it would be even better than it is. Yeah, it would be more so, in favor. And Steph, I think one of the things that was in that study, which was very interesting, yes. you sent us, uh, is that Waymo reported the minor incident, but also if Waymo hit some debris in the road, they considered that a strike. Where if you did that in your car, you wouldn't even think about it. If it didn't flatten a tire or break something yes. on your car, you would just keep driving. 
Right. But Waymo reported it. So yeah, the numbers mm. would be better. And I think it's interesting to note, Steve said, how many trips around the the, the earth is that? And it's um, 400, no, excuse me, 280 times around the earth. And in, oh, wow. in, in stark <laughs> contrast, looking at these numbers, it has safe it is with all this electronics and autonomy. Going back to our initial story about the 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 blazer that there was a um, a stop sale, uh, one of the uh, reported incidents by Edmonds was that the the vehicle locator identified that the car was in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Uh, oh, so geez. GM can't get that right, and look what Waymo is doing. It it seems like possibly they should be one of the companies um, using their technology. Yeah, I just. Uh, let me just real quick, before I go back, you know, I talked about the, the bias. Only 21% of Waymo reported crashes would have resulted in a filed police report. Well, mm. yeah. So there you go. We've got to move on, but I'll yep. just say quickly, when Waymo started, which was, it was Google self-driving and it was probably 15 years ago, Stefan, roughly. Yeah, I think so. I can't remember the first time that they rolled out. When it's it was, you know, I remember Jack Roush made the cars. Um, yes. When this started, uh, and I think this is interesting just for like life. When it started, I thought, why are they doing this? They're spending billions of dollars. Google is spending billions of dollars, and this is something that's not going to pay off for fifty years, and uh, maybe it'll be forty. But it's, this is a long, long horizon to make to make money off of it. And on the All In podcast, which I listen to, I know you guys listen to it sometimes too, Chamath Palihapitiya said something that blew my mind. Say he that, said, say that, say that yeah. again. Chamath, <laughs> Chamath Palihapitiya, he said, and this is this is like, think about this. He said, Google is the most successful company in the history of capitalism. And starting, he said, starting around 20 years ago, they had to dump cash because they couldn't have this much profit. So they just started dumping cash, free food for employees, paying employees to do nothing. And Waymo is another example because they were inviting regulation because they made so much money. Now their, their profit margin is kind of moderated. But this came out of that trying to just dump cash. And here they are, they're gonna start, they're gonna dominate this whole world of the automotive world or a whole part of the automotive world. Probably It's probably gonna be 40, 50 years, but they're, they're gonna be at the forefront. Think about it. Google probably has the largest repertoire of data in the world that, that they can mine. And think about all the data that they're going to get from these vehicles. But but I really just, I'll, I'll close with Waymo. The transparency of how they have approached this is demonstrate how it should be done. This is how to do this the right way. And uh, hats off to Waymo. I just, I think it's wonderful and um they're they're going to change. They're going to make autonomous driving safe for everybody, and it already is safer. So, yeah, hey amen. Thank you, Stefan. You'll make it way uh, more got, better. Uh, way more better. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Adams. Uh, we're going to do a quick car spotting, and then we're going to move on. But this, I, I saw this in a, in a parking lot next to my office. Actually, it's a 1985 Pontiac Fiber. There is no more Pontiac, but this was really a, a, an era of strength for General Motors. They sold tons of these Pontiacs. It was the twin of the Chevy Camaro. These were very popular back then. But the graphics on the side are so 80s. You can imagine uh, a guy with his collar uh, turned up uh, on his IZOD shirt getting out of this. Or you can see a girl with her hair like up, poofed up. 
this was the eighties and, and uh, scroll down to the second. I took a picture of the side of the graphics and uh, I, there's another picture. Um, yeah, I got it. Let me find it. I'm but anyway, this was not a good car. Adams, you know, this not a good car, but this captures the era. This was so 1980s and all of the, you know, MTV and the yep. MTV world and, uh, the, the big eighties, that was this car and there it is. <laughs> there you go with the little Adams. This is not a future collector car, is it? <laughs> uh, you know, well, there actually is one in the lineup that is, but you know, you look at, I, I love that little reverse heartbeat symbol. I guess they wanted it's to got this, this, It's a white car with pink, with pink stripe down the side. It's got some squigglies in the middle, but you're right. This just screams eighties. I, I was never a fan of, I didn't like this body style and the Firebird. Um, I just, the rear end never worked with me with the way they had the hatch into the rear of the car. It just did, the proportions just, just didn't look right to me. Is this the Knight Rider era? That's a, that's a yes. show I try yeah. to avoid. Yeah. So this <laughs> yes. is a, the, the, the kit, the KIT car. So from the front, it'll have those mostly hidden headlights. I guess the parking light sort of had part, part of the, the, front visual and then the lights popped up and and steve you're right it was like a post there you go oh wow <laughs> although that's the collectible version right there i had to pick that out of the lineup uh folks what we're looking uh, at here is the 1989 only pontiac firebird 20th anniversary turbo trans am and this has the v6 from the buick gn and gnx oh, uh, wow severely underrated at 250 horsepower because they didn't want to upset their uh, their buddies over at uh, Chevrolet with the Corvette. And it's the same, not very attractive body. I don't know, but if you squint and kind of back up and look at it from a different eye, it's, it's not a, a super unattractive car. It's not nearly as arresting visually as, the, as, as its predecessors. But there you go. That one, uh, that car had a mid four second zero to 60 time. I do a mid 13 uh, quarter mile time. It was a pretty dang fast car. And I think collectability that this car is only at 30 grand. It's got three days left. Maybe it'll do 45,000, 42,000, something like that. But man, oh man, Steve, the one that you showed, just the, the regular old plain Jane Firebird, that's about a $7,000 car on its best day. It's it, unbelievable how they're just. It'll never out. go up. What's that? It'll never go up. I, I think you're right. It's just spare parts. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was fun to see. I enjoyed it. It was a fun time for me. We all had fun in the 80s. So uh, moving on, uh, Adams, you you came up with a this or that. We haven't done a this or that segment in a while, and I thought we got to do we, we thought we have to do this. So going to our this or that, uh, this is a fun one. Maybe it's a it's the perfect one for a new year. Well, thank you. You know, and I, th I think this is this is one of those one of those questions that I, I would imagine a lot of people do ponder. Uh, in, in the this or that, we try to take two similarly priced cars, although they're a little bit dissimilar in the, the actual model pick. And like, which one do you choose? And this one, uh, we we presuppose that you're a car dude. You sort of have a performance penchant, uh, but your significant other has said, "Hey, you need to get something practical. You need to haul kids occasionally." Uh, from school or to practice, uh, you need to maybe take a client somewhere. We're going to take a family vacation somewhere. And one of these days, you might have to bring home a couple of bales of pine straw. So you 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 want a performance car. It's got to have some practicality. Uh, you've got a decent budget. you got about 60 or 65 grand to spend. That's not small. 
You don't want a new car that you can just walk out there and get and anybody can get. And likewise, you don't want a normal car. You don't want a car that's going to blend into the parking lot and there'll be a sea of them. Toyota, I'm looking at you, uh, where you could just get, you know, get in any one of the the nondescript gray or silver cars out there in the parking lot. So you want something a little bit different. I want a forerunner. <laughs> ah, you know. knew you did. That's why Steph has been eliminated from this week's question because he's getting the forerunner. Listen, if you had listened to earlier shows, I hate the forerunner. I just hate it. <laughs> F and runner is what you call it. F and runner. That's a throwback. That's a year in review. Yeah, F and runner, man. That's that's exactly. All right. Sorry, Adam. It's, the, it's that. It's the nutsack poster child. Uh, <laughs> uh, on, on this, neither of these is a poster child of that. Uh, so you finally narrowed it down. You got two cars. The first one is the Porsche Cayenne. It can be a GTS or an S. It's going to be the, um, Steve, you may have to help me on this generation. Is it the third generation? I'm not so sure. Whatever it is. But what year? So it's uh, 2018 2020. to yeah, 2020 is about what you can afford. There's a 2020 right there at 60 grand. Um you like its size, you like the badge on the front, you like its shape, you like its performance, you like uh, that they are considered reliable cars. You've got 450 horse out of a twin turbo V6. It's a, it's a very quick car and Porsche knows how to use every horsepower they advertise. And the other option for you is the Cadillac CTSV wagon. So on this one, you're gonna have to justify to your spouse or other, uh, why you had to go a little bit old school because this is going to go back to at least 10 years old, 10, 12, 14 years old. And you're going to give up a little bit of the side height, uh, therefore a little bit of storage capacity, but you're going to pick up some significant horsepower. These were over 600 horsepower, <laughs> which oh is just God. laughable to even think about uh, from its supercharged LSV8. And these are definitely collector cars. So a big comparison you're looking at is, okay, well, if I get the Cayenne, I'm going to get this kind of sporty car that's pretty cool and more, more modern, but it's going to depreciate like a stone. Inexplicably, they depreciate pretty heavy. Where this car, you could put miles on it kind of guilt-free because it's appreciating against the tide. So there you go. What do you pick? Who wants to go first? Do you go first, Stefan? I'm I'm surprised. I, I I'm going. You know, so <laughs> I can imagine my state of mind. But I'm, I'm having to get rid of my car, that that my sports car. I'm, I've got to be more of a dad. I'm having to face reality. I'm probably now, you know, late 30s, maybe early 40s, and I'm kind of pissed that I got to do this. And <laughs> I got a two car garage. I can't have a sports car. So I'm I'm just going nasty, and I'm getting the, I'm getting the white CTS V wagon. Rear-wheel drive, and I'm just going flat out nasty the whole way. And I'm I'm going to just raise hell, and I'll own this car for about a year, two years, till to like expand on the garage, and then. But I'm going to enjoy the hell out of this, just being off the wall, and then I'm gonna I'm not I'm not gonna lose a lot of money when I sell it. So I'm yeah, probably this will be the second only General Motors product I would have ever have owned in my entire lifetime. But this one. Yeah, I'm just going full on nasty with the CTSV wagon. Okay, that points well I like made. It. I, like, I it. like it. I I uh, have also go. I've also got to go the CTSV wagon, but uh, I'm picturing myself. I am 
this is going to be a Homer choice for me because I am a GM software engineer. I hardly work and I make about $200,000 a year. Uh, <laughs> I never check my work. I don't care what I pump out. You don't even so check got, your email. I got a lot of free time. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get a GM car. So I'm getting this. And uh, it's going to be the, I, I literally, I'm only getting this because number one, it's a car. And number two, I can get it in, in, a, in a stick shift. So I would absolutely get this. Uh, by the way, Another thing that needs to be made, you know, Adams, he said, why did the, why did the, why does the Porsche Cayenne depreciate so much? I would say it reminds me of uh, a great expression I heard years ago, which is you should never buy a Ferrari when you can afford one. You should buy a Ferrari when you can afford six. I think it's the same with Porsche. And you know this. Yeah. Porsches are so expensive to maintain. Everything you do to a Porsche is expensive. I would get the the Cadillac because I know it'd be a lot. It'd be fun to drive with a manual. It'd be a lot cheaper. I wouldn't be like sweating as I take the car into the dealer for service. Okay, you know this may be a first, boys and girls. Cadillac. Well, we all agree. <laughs> oh, yeah, That's yeah. it. Is a first. It is a I'm first. <laughs> I'm absolutely picking the Cadillac. I think you can drive that one uh, relatively guilt free, uh, partly because I have this sort of you know, a minor sort of collectible part of my brain, even though it's practical. You don't want to get something so old that it's impractical. But the Cadillac is a super modern car. I'll tell you one thing, you know, we we don't do a small amount of interstate travel or driving. I never see these on the road. I right. never see the CTSVs out in the wild. And when I do, I mean, it, maybe it's a cars and coffee or something, the looks are growing on me. I have to say that it's a bit of an yes. acquired taste. I thought they were a little bit goofy that uh, the C pillar being wide at the top and there at the bottom. I never quite followed that. It's almost like the Nissan Murano first gen. It's like, what are they trying to do there? But, you know, in time, it's just one of the sort of the quirky looks of that car. And the fact that it's got a big old honking V8 up front. And Steve, it's interesting you would do the six speed, I believe. And this is where I'm caving in to my laziness. I'd get the automatic. Just wow. because I want to point it and drive it. Step on, and you didn't mention transmission. What are you getting? I get the automatic because I'd be the traffic like going wham, pat, 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 pat. And then let off. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do a launch. Yeah, I, I'd have to be at the rev limiter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, so are you going to get the flashy chrome wheels or the black wheels? Adam, I got it. I, I can't do black wheels. Okay. I, I have a mental block about black wheels. I just cannot do it. Okay. I have to have the nasty black wheels. I don't want the chrome. I'd have a red exterior with the silver wheels. Nice. Black, black interior. Nice. That is, yeah. They, they, and they made an incredible, you know, I tell you, and I don't know if it was a special time for GM and metallics, or maybe it was just Cadillac's own version of metallics, but they had a metallics that would rival any Bentley or Aston Martin. Um, the, the fire mist red you're talking about is yeah, just that's it. incredible. I mean, it's got orange and gold when you start looking at it. It's just a visually dazzling sort of paint. There it is, Devo. There's your car. There it is. There's my car, six speed. All right, that was that was uh, that was a lot of fun, and it's the new year. It's party time, so I thought let's have really a lot of fun and let's configure a Bronco. We did this uh, uh, several months ago when the Porsche 911 Carrera T came out. And that was a driver's spec car. We all thought it was cool. We all specced one and, and talked about our spec. Uh, well, finally, and I know you guys are seeing this. There's a lot more Broncos out there. 
my dealer that I always count the the cars. They have seven Broncos on the lot for sale. So the pipeline has definitely been filled. Uh, you're no longer paying over MSRP for them. A friend of mine just ordered it and he ordered his for, for MSRP. So uh, the Bronco is pretty much readily available, which is great news. And I'll say, I'll say one more time, Chevy, you should have done a Blazer. Anyway, yep. I've Boom. said it way well, they too many did. times before. <laughs> they, 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 they did, <laughs> but it yeah, failed. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> hilarious. They took the name uh, too literally, and it set itself ablaze. Ablaze. Yeah, they <laughs> did. They uh, they should have taken the Broncos page and made a blazer that was internal combustion engine, same size as a Bronco, and it made it look like an old C10 blazer. They're beautiful. Anyway, yeah. I've said that before. So we're gonna we're gonna configure our Broncos, and I want to end with Stefan because you're the Ford guy. So Adams, why don't you start us off and kind of walk us through your spec of the Bronco? The Bronco has a lot of options, a lot of configurability. If you go on the configurator, I had a lot of fun doing this. So Adams, walk us through what you what you picked. Well, I, you know, it would have been a very easy pick for me to do the Raptor. And in fact, I started with the Raptor and I thought, man, oh man, I'm going to high horse. I'm getting everything you can get on it. And by the time I got to the bottom of my build, I'd spent 93 grand on a Bronco. Exact uh, same here. I was like, I, I did the same thing, Adams. You I'm cannot, like, I, you, I couldn't you do cannot, it. You cannot get a Raptor for MSRP. Oh, yeah. and so it would even be more. I mean, you know, yeah, and I did, you know that, fortunately, there wasn't a whole lot you could put on a Raptor because a lot of the stuff was included. But, you know, you can sort of doll it up just slightly, use some deviations. But honestly, you know, when I came back to earth and I thought, okay, well, if I was really spending my money, would I do that? And I know that that's not really the part of the parameters. We're just supposed to be picking kind of an ultimate build. I came back to earth and thought if I was going to live with one, I'd pick the Outer Banks version right there. And, I, you know, I just, I, I looked at the Heritage versions. I kind of went up and down the scale there. And I didn't add a whole lot of options to this. Probably the thing I deliberated on the most was the color. And we talked last week about uh, our toys we got at Christmas that uh, were car related that helped us. So if viewers can see this, I built, this is the last model I built. And that's as close to the color as I chose that. I think it's called Azure. Yeah, Azure Gray. Azure Gray metallic tricoat. Hey, wait a second. Show your model again. I think that's so cool. We, we You sent us a picture, but so the, show the viewers. Here's the, I'm going to make sure parts don't fall off of it as I lift it up. And there's the little V8 that's not as detailed as it should be. And I know Stefan's already mad that it doesn't have the Weber <laughs> H stack on it, but there you go. But that's my my little Bronco. And the hard top, just as in true Ford fashion, falls off. That's what they do on the factory one. <laughs> but, but see, that that's how that does. And, you know, I, I, that is a sprayed on color. And when I saw this color, which I think is new for 23, I thought, well, that's just fabulous and it even though i like black interiors that was a little bit boring so this comes with the two-tone uh brown i forget what they call it like coffee oh, black nice. or something kind of cool yeah, that's nice and it does have the uh the ecoboost v6 and that was almost it for me i chose a slide out tailgate just because i thought that was a neat feature and i think it would come in handy if you're ever trying to either get up on the roof or you're trying to slide some cargo out i thought that was a nice option um, I'd like to see that actually work. I don't know how those honestly do what they do. And that was one of my two wheels to pick. And that one had the most showing aluminum. And that was it. That's my car. And I think it, 
I don't remember what the sticker was. It was under 60 grand, whatever, 58, 56, something like that. And I thought that's approachable. Yep, 61. Excuse me. Yeah. Tip, tip, that is typical. Like, I can, you know, I make it sound like it's less, but it's more. <laughs> but well, you average, like you're talking to your wife. Yeah. The average yeah. new car in 2023 sold for about $45,000, a little over. So this is very approachable, 60 grand, for, especially for a desirable vehicle like this. And I had right. to have a four door. I'm curious to see what all you guys, what the heck is that? That's that tail. You ordered the tailgate. That's table. it. Yes. Man, that thing's tiny. Okay. I thought it was bigger. Than <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll save my money on that one. But well, anyway. wait a minute. No, that wasn't it. Oh, here it is. Here's the slide out tailgate. Oh, there it is. <laughs> that's okay. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's nearly twice as big. <laughs> yeah, it's still so, thoroughly unusual. That is sad. It's like a hundred dollars a square inch or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know. No way. No way that costs more than 20 bucks. Oh my gosh. $600. No, but I mean, it costs the yeah. cost for the manufacturer. Oh geez. It's, it's basically a step up. That's not hardly a little, a slide out tailgate. That's just a fold down step. I don't think you can step on it. It would probably break. All <laughs> right. Um, mine, I went, I went different and I went retro. I did do heritage. Uh, so mine was Heritage Red, four-door, and I grew up on Long Island, and we had a place uh, right on the water, and you would see routinely fishermen would drive their, their truck onto the beach, and they would fish, and this was what they looked like. It didn't matter if it was a, a Chevy Blazer or a Ford Bronco or uh, an International Scout. You had white wheels, and then turning around a white grill and then you had like these i still remember they put like these tubes on the front and you'd put your your fishing rods into the oh, tubes yeah. and i thought the look was so cool so i got the heritage which which is a very 70s look white grill white wheels white roof red exterior to kind of and i i really went retro on that i actually chose inline four because i wanted the manual it's a seven speed manual I got that. I did get the Sasquatch package with the big wheels and the tires. Uh, I got a black interior with cloth seats. Kind of boring, but that's what I wanted. Steve, uh, is that the only way you can get the manual? You have to get the yeah. four-cylinder to get the manual? Yes. How about yeah. that? I did not yeah, know that. Not allowed. You can't, you can't do it that way. Uh, you know what's interesting? I didn't realize this. You know, you learn things from the configurator. You're, you cannot get remote start of your engine with a manual transmission. I guess because if you leave it in gear, maybe it's yeah. gonna, you know, whatever, which is interesting. So um, and I'm going for it, guys. I'm spending four hundred and twenty-nine dollars for the rear tent because yes, I will be camping. <laughs> That's seven grand less than oh, horses. Let me find that tent. And and if you a get bargain. The tent, oh, you, you got to add you can add a changing room slash shower shower for three hundred and nineteen dollars. Hells yeah, I'm doing that. <laughs> so that chart, the total is $51,000. All right, man, there you go. I like it. Oh, there, I can't make it big. Here's the, here's the tent, see it? Well, Ford doesn't make it big either. So that's probably about as big as the slide out tailgate in real life. You know, uh, Steve got the slide out. Me. He got the tailgate tail over there in 10 bucks. He got it. I was a kid and I didn't know anything because we were kids and I, this was the seventies and I was in a boat. I don't know. One of my friends, father owned this boat. And I remember on the bathroom, 
there was a sign that said, save water, shower with a friend. And I didn't get it because I was eight or something. Now I think it's pretty funny. So I guess I put a sign, I put a sign like that on my shower. <laughs> All right. Uh, I wanted the, the best one is going to be Stefan. So Stefan, go for it. Uh, you're the Ford guy. Uh, blow us away. Oh, well, I mean, actually, I, I went. I went nostalgic, just like you did. Um, I went to Heritage, and I went with the what they call um, Robin's Egg Blue. That's well, Gulf Blue. Well, that's what I would call it, Gulf yeah. Blue. And, He'll be adding orange stripes to that which, when he gets it, yeah. right? And I got the white top, the white hard top, and the white wheels. And um, I went for the V6 EcoBoost engine with the automatic transmission because I will likely be towing something, and towing with a manual is just is not a pleasurable experience at all. Unless I you wanted replacements. <laughs> yeah. Or you want to, you want to make it onto, uh, yeah. You want to make it on TV as your vehicle rolls into the water with your boat still attached. Right. So I went, the I went with the V6 for that. Um, one thing I did do, I got the four door like you did. I got the Sasquatch package. I added the trailer tow package for 500 bucks. Got to have those old white wheels. I did get the uh, dual top, so you get the soft top and the hard top. I didn't do any of the other, any of the standard interior. I did upgrade the headlights to LED, and that's from a safety standpoint. You know, the aging driver, night driving becomes an issue. And a friend of mine was looking at configuring a new Porsche for his wife, and I said, we live out in the country. I said, spend your money on headlight technology. Because now, especially Porsche and Mercedes have lights that move LEDs. They automatically, they can change the light so oncoming drivers don't have any light in their eyes. The last thing you want to do is somebody coming at you 60 miles an hour in a two-lane is blind them, right? Then they can't see. And you're like, so that is a very worthwhile safety. So I go to 795 bucks for the LED lights. And that was it. I, I did get the first aid kit because um, I flipped a Jeep and in college so it would have been nice to have had a first aid kit when i flipped my i Jeep. think it's fitting that our trauma surgeon would carry a first aid kit and that was it um i i did it came with the full up, uh, upgrade on the audio and mine came in right at uh i came in at fifty-eight thousand. you know staff on the sasquatch package now, now steve did you get sasquatch or no oh yeah does that include those fender flares because i added them but i didn't I didn't oh, know that's a great question. I, I, I bet the, you, I think it does. The flares so. are the greatest. You have to have flares on your Bronco. You just can't, you yeah. just can't have the slab side without those great flares sticking out. Yeah. But then when you go full wheeling, then you don't get the cool mud spray up the side when you don't have flares, you know, <laughs> you can add that later. So. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, I we like it. I'm a little bummed because if we go camping, you guys are going to come over and use my shower. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not showering with the friends. <laughs> yeah. Just showering alone. One person yeah. to a shower. And, and there's okay. a camping joke, which I will not tell on this show. Uh, <laughs> what is this, a New Year's resolution? No, no, no. This, this is not fit. This is not an appropriate joke. I'll tell it off. All I'll right. tell it offline. Our minds will have to wander. We're going to say happy new year, but, but one thing, a little music trivia, which kind of made me sad, uh, Christmas day, 2016, George Michael died. So, uh, just happened seven years ago, just, uh, last week. So, uh, RIP George Michael, I think we're done. And, uh, Dr. Moran, why don't you wrap us up? 
Hey, thanks everybody for listening. Come back next week. We'll have another safety segment and we'll talk more cars. We may have this or that or click a car. Remember to like, subscribe, click that bell, tell your friends, leave comments, and we'll see you next week.